Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series that we're doing called Naturally Supernatural. And this is about uh, the life that, that God has called us to do, modeled by Jesus. Jesus is our model for life and ministry. And so the idea behind this series is that we're going to look through the book of John in particular, and we're going to look at some encounters that Jesus has with people and situations, and we're going to try and figure out what he did and, and how he did it and what he models for us in the process. And so um, we're going to be working through, we'll be in John 3 today. Uh, so in, in getting started, the, the scripture reading for today, let's start with that. John 3, 16 and 17. This is out of the message paraphrase. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. And this scripture, I think, is a very powerful scripture, and it, and it sort of sets this foundation for us, that, that Jesus came to put the world right. He, he came to save the world, not condemn it. And that, that's why we're doing the things that we're doing. We're out there as people of the good news. Um, trying to encourage people to come to Christ, not to point the finger about how bad they are. And we'll be talking about that today. So I have a couple of things I want to do before we really get started. One of them is I want to share this little story with you about the kayaking group. Um, we have affinity groups here, as well as our Bible studies. We have affinity groups. Those are things that people can get together and have fun during the week with other believers and other people they invite in to, to have some fun together. Like we have a, a basketball affinity group that meets on Tuesday nights here at the church at 7.30. And, and we have a, um, we had a spearfishing group that just went out yesterday and they had a, they had a big time and caught a lot of fish. And, um, we've got other groups. Uh, Spanish is a second language, meets here Wednesdays at 5.30. There's a bunch of them. But anyway, last weekend, the kayaking group met. And the kayaking group is a pretty well established affinity group here. It's pretty well attended and, they have a good time, and they go kayaking together, and you have a picnic, and it's a, it's a good thing. So um, as we started them up again this quarter, this was their first meeting, and they went to Bay of Honda, and there were some people signed up that they didn't know, so they went out there, and they kind of waited around for some people to show up that they were going to go kayaking with. So they're out there, and sure enough, a truck pulls up, and there's a guy and his son are there, and they got a kayak on, on the truck and everything, so they, they rush over, and they help the guy unload his kayak and get it all set up for the trip, and they, they help the son get prepared, you know, with his sunscreen and everything, get them all set up, and then they find out that they've never heard of the vineyard and aren't part of the affinity group at all. I think that's a classic. Because I, 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 in my mind, I'm wondering what that guy thought. These are some really friendly people. Like, almost too friendly. <laughs> so I went from affinity group to an act of kindness, which is good. But the kayaking group, they lost it for the rest of the trip. Because he obviously went in a different direction as soon as he could. <laughs> quick, son, quick. <laughs> we must go. <laughs> I love that stuff. But see, that's, that's the fun stuff we're supposed to be doing. Well, we also did something, we did something yesterday. We talked about radical generosity. And see, we're, we're trying to impact the world with this good news that we have. And that, unfortunately, the stereotype that we're having to beat back is that the church, I think, over time has missed kind of the message. And you know, Jesus came to save the world, not to condemn it. And yet, a lot of times, the, and not to point the finger, the church sort of picked up the condemning, pointing the finger ministry. And the culture shut us down. 
And so we feel we have to get back out there and love people back in so that they can hear the good news. And so yesterday we did a $1 car wash. Now, um, let me tell you about our $1 car wash. Our $1 car wash is not a fundraiser. It's an outreach. And what we do is we have signs on the road and we get people together and we bring the cars in and we wash them and we dry them and we do a really good job. And then at the end, when it's the time where they think they're going to pay, um, we give them a dollar. And their reactions are priceless in the kingdom. And so, we have a video for you of that today, and they're going to go ahead and run that now. Check this out. I think you're going to enjoy it. Watch this. All right, so that's a $1 car wash. We're already signing up for the next one, August 20th. We'd love for you to come. The sign-up sheets are in the back. We have a great time. See, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. That, to me, is being naturally supernatural. What, what could be more natural than a car wash? But what brings God into it better than totally undoing what people are expecting and handing them a dollar? And you've just served them and you've blessed them and giving them a dollar. It's the, it's the neatest thing. The, the, the drying team was telling me that one of the ladies, that we actually, who, when we washed her car, she started to cry after, after handing them a dollar. I mean, it's just, that's cool stuff, see? And that's what we're supposed to be doing in the world. And that's what being naturally supernatural is all about to me. So, we're going to look through the Gospel of John together. 
and to check into some things. We're going to be looking during this series at the resources we have to be naturally supernatural, the, the resource of prayer and the Word and the Holy Spirit, and we'll be talking about all those things in the weeks ahead. And also, last week I said we're, we'll, we'll use as a way to see what, what's going on, to analyze sort of what's happening. Um, Jesus has called us to do what He did. We know that. In order to do that, we have to think like He thought, see like He saw, serve like He served, and love like He loved. And that these are the components that we're kind of looking at when we, when, we, when we take a look at these encounters throughout John 3. Now, this first one uh, that we're going to look at today is in John 3, uh, uh, by the way, and it's an encounter with a guy named Nicodemus. And we'll talk about him more in a second, but let's jump into the message so we can get it started. Point number one says this, and the, the point is, who do you think you are? Now, I'm not saying, who do you think you are, because that's, that's not a good thing. I'm saying... Who do you think that you are? Do you know who you are? Are you settling in what God called you to be? Are you settling in to the person that God has made you and are you, are you finding out that that's okay? Are you, are you realizing that you'll never really find life uh, living uh, on the surface uh, in a superficial way uh, and, and you'll never really make life by putting masks on. You'll never really be comfortable trying to be what you think people want you to be uh, and trying to fit into situations. That The only way to have a naturally supernatural life is to begin by kind of settling in who you are. That this is who God made you. And that you've got some really good stuff and some stuff that's not so great and God knows about it all and He's willing to use it and put it all together and make it happen. But, but do you know who you are? Are you settled in who you are? See, this is really important. And, and in this initial part of this meeting that Nicodemus has with Jesus, I want to try and think like Jesus thought and, and see how that worked in the process. And, and part of this is knowing who you are. Now, here comes Nicodemus, and he's going to enter the scene. Let me just tell you, Nicodemus is sort of the, the best that Israel has to offer. He's a teacher. Uh, he's a Pharisee. And, and uh, he's part of the ruling council, the Sanhedrin. So he's a deeply religious, highly respected political figure, basically, of great stature in his community. That's Nicodemus. Now, he's going to come to Jesus. And Jesus um, is, is early in his ministry here. Um, and remember, uh, people often try and write Jesus off. Well, isn't he the carpenter's son? Blah, blah, blah. But Jesus is very settled in who he is. And where he's going, the scripture tells us that. So we have these two sort of things happening. A person who, who looks right, has great standing in the community, but it's not very settled in who he is. Which is really ultimately good in this case, because he needs to know what Jesus has. And you have Jesus, who in, in, in his humility is in a place where he doesn't feel like he has to uh, defend or do anything else. And he's just able to let this encounter develop into what God wants it to be. And that's a very important thing. Let's, let's kick it off. John 3, 1 and 2. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. Now, now see, this is why I think things don't quite line up for me. Because I, I have this thought that when you're pretty comfortable in who you are and that you're trying to do the next right thing, you don't have to sneak around at night. Right? See, if, you, if, you gotta, if there's something you've got to do in the darkness and at night, I, I can pretty much tell you you shouldn't be doing it. So he's not. See, he, but he's drawn to Jesus, which is a good thing, but he's so afraid of the other people that he's around, sees, oh, he's got to sneak in to make this connection 
happen. And then when he gets there, he kind of opens up and, and you know, the, the ruling council is against Jesus and ultimately they want to arrest him and have him killed, which they'll work on throughout the gospel until they get their way. Um, but, but he comes and he's very sort of flattering to Jesus. We know you're the, you know, we know you've come from God, you're a teacher, a rabbi, and all these great things. But, but Jesus, sort of, because he knows he is, isn't sort of pushed into a weird spot. See, see, if you don't know where you are, things can happen. Even people can, uh, even, people can butter you up and flatter you and get you off target. Or they can come in and they can manipulate you, make you feel guilty. They can intimidate you. They can do all these things if you're not kind of settled in who you are. You just need to be at peace with who you are. That's part of this process that we need to have. And then these encounters can make a, a pretty significant difference in the way that we approach life and in the kingdom. And, and I have this thought too, uh, and see if you, you feel like this works for you. Um, one of my thoughts is that life is filled with challenging people. How's that? Does that settle on you? Most of you can relate to that, right? And not only are there challenging people, there are a lot of these interesting encounters. Lots of them. But if we can be settled in who we are, and we don't feel like we have to defend everything, and we don't, we don't feel like other people can define us, because that's what we'll try and do, because we know who we are, we can kind of move away from one of our natural tendencies, which is, what about me? How does this impact me? Which is where we go, to God... What about you, and, and can you use this encounter for your glory? Because I'm settled in you. It's not about me at this moment. And can you use that beyond there? See, that's kind of the thinking change that we have to have in these encounters. God defines us, so we know who we are, so we can't be manipulated, and we don't have to get defensive. And, and you know, um, take this in too. In an encounter, in something that goes on, if somebody's challenging you, um, you know you don't always have to prove that you're right. You really don't. That just gets things moving in a bad direction. See, one of, there's two possibilities. Either you're wrong or you're right. If you're wrong, you probably learned something. And, and none of us is right about everything. I, I learn stuff all the time. I, I, am, I can absolutely tell you I am not right all the time. Uh, <laughs> and, and my wife is backing me up. <laughs> and I like the way many of you looked at her. Thank you very much for that. Um, <laughs> I appreciate your support. Thank you. And the other thing is, even if I am right and I'm pretty settled in it, I don't have to prove it. You know what I mean? What's the point? Unless, there's, unless I can do it in love. See, that's what Jesus is able to do in this whole process. Um, um, he's settled in who he is. We need to be settled in who we are and in whose we are. We're ch children of the king. We're his followers. We're, we're broken people trying to do the next right thing. And we can be settled in that. So what Jesus did, because he knows who he is and this the whole thing's happening, he sees it as an opportunity to speak the truth in love. That's the second thing you're bulletin. To speak the truth in love. John 3, 3 through 6. In, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Now here's what's happening. Flowery introduction, and Jesus just takes a hold of the conversation and what he's attempting to do now is to tell a deeply religious person with very, uh, a very high stature that the way he's been going about his relationship with God doesn't work. 
pretty big thing to try and tell someone. Now, what you need to know is, though, that Jesus is going to do it in a way that he's speaking the truth in love. He's trying to love Nicodemus into the kingdom of God. He could have just dismissed him as part of the group who was out after him, who was chasing him down, but he doesn't. He's going to try now and, and introduce to Nicodemus the concept that Nicodemus needs to know about, which is grace. And he's, he's going to say to him, look, you're Israel's teacher. How come you don't know about grace? Because grace is not just a New Testament concept. It's an Old Testament concept. But the religious community had walked away from grace and they'd become nothing but rules and regulations. And in the process, what they had done was they had made it impossible for anyone to get to God, even themselves. You can't get there apart from grace. See, what Jesus has to tell Nicodemus is, look, you, you've got great works that you've done, and you've done all this stuff for the community, and your tremendous stature, but, but your works can't get you there. You can, only way you can get there is by His work of grace. You can't get to the kingdom any other way. And He has to introduce this to Nicodemus in a very loving way. And, and He's challenging him, but He's doing it in love. You also need to note that, that Nicodemus came to Jesus. See, and there was something in Jesus' life that Nicodemus noted that, that gets him in a spot to even ask these questions. To sort of say, look, I, I know something's not right. And, and so he comes to Jesus. And, and one of the things we do and one of the ways we love is that as we try and walk this thing out by doing the next right thing, imperfectly though we do, and messing up and running back to Jesus, that there's something in that, though, that's honest enough and natural enough that people want to know what the supernatural connection is. And when we get the opportunities, because we've loved them, we can then begin to tell them about the things of God. In our next session, you're going to see... See, he ministers to Nicodemus in one way. This is a deeply religious person who's missed it. In the next chapter, he's got the woman at the well who's coming from a whole different sort of perspective. And he ministers to her, loves her into the kingdom. So we need to see how those things are at work and in process uh, along the way. So uh, Jesus is loving Nicodemus um, into the kingdom by telling him about the concept of grace. And he does it, and this is the third thing, in a very encouraging way. See, we need to be encouragers. Now, we're, we're, we're looking and, and trying to think about how Jesus served, and ultimately we know that Jesus served at the cross. That was the ultimate. But throughout, you'll see how he's serving people all the time. And, and he's, uh, he's encouraging here uh, in the way that he's serving Nicodemus because the, the scripture that we started with, John 3:16 and 17, um, it's a very encouraging scripture. It says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. So you need to read that part. He, he didn't come to condemn, He came to save. He, he wants people to be in relationship with Him. That's why He's here. That's why He came. That's, that's what happened. And, and it's good news. See, this is good news. What He was telling Nicodemus was good news, even though it was challenging everything that Nicodemus believed. It was good news. And he said it to be good news. And, and part of us needs to know that, that in, our, in our outreach and in the way that we present the radical message of the gospel, when people hear it, they need to know deep down that it's good news. Even if it challenges them to the core of their being, that it sounds like good news. Because if it just sounds like bad news, it means what we're doing is we're pointing the finger and we've moved into the condemnation part. And that's not what we're called. We're, we're supposed to be like Jesus in what he does. And in the way that he does it. And so, so we have to look at that. And so we need to be encouragers 
not criticizers. We, we need to be those who lift up, not tear down. We need to share the, the amazing news that we have, which is good news, and, and let people know about God's grace and his love for them, and, and that one of the ways, the ways that we usually get the chance to do that is by serving them. And so when we do car washes and feed lunches and breakfasts and get out there and do this stuff and encourage two people every day, you know, our ministry, our ongoing ministry. See, that's all about serving like he served in order to bless and get opportunities to share the radical message. So that's what we do. We're living this thing out the best that we can before the world around us and then uh, able to to see how God moves so we can um, bring people into the kingdom of God so they can hear and know this amazing love that God has for them. So we're not finger pointers. All right? We're encouragers. We're, we're, we're lifting people up. And then to tie this all together, the fourth thing and is that we'll always have to look for the beauty of potential. This is so important. We talk about this a lot. We'll continue to talk about it. It's one of those major changes that has to take place in all of us. We have to see people the way that God does. And we have to challenge ourselves all the time when we start to label people. If you look at someone and you immediately label them as something, whatever it might be, you have to start challenging yourself because the moment you label them, you treat them differently. The moment you give them a label, you will treat them differently. And you can't do it and be an impact for the kingdom. You can't be naturally supernatural if you're going around labeling people with, you know, judgmental, critical labels. If you need to label them at all, how about this is one that God loves so much that he went to the cross for? There's a label. You can hang that on people, I guess, if you need a label. But that's it. And, 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 and I mean, aren't you glad that God saw the beauty of your potential? Really? I mean, see... So this whole labeling thing, the critical thing, the, the finger point thing, why people don't want to hear it is that people know they're a mess. So I, I believe, it. So and this is my little thing, I've done it with the other groups. Um, I know I'm a mess. Does everybody in here get the fact that you're a mess? And I've offered this to the other groups. If you don't think you're a mess, please come and see me after the service. <laughs> and as one broken person to another, we can get to the heart of it pretty quickly. Because I'm a mess, so I know. We're all a mess. We're broken. You know, part of our, one of our goals is, we, we talk about this all the time, we're, we're trying to recognize and embrace our own brokenness and then get to Jesus and get healed enough so that we can help other broken people recognize and embrace their own brokenness so they can get to Jesus and get healed enough so that they can help other broken people. Do you get the process? See, and that's what we're involved in. But we'll never do it unless we look at people and see the beauty of their potential. And, and, and challenge yourself. Because it happens all the time. We, we have ingrained in us this thing that wants to label people. This, that, the other thing. And you treat them differently. You've got to try and just ask God to let you see them the way that he does. Now, how did Jesus see Nicodemus? I love this. And um, three, three verses and then we're out. First thing he does is he kind of deals with the whole coming to me at night thing. John three twenty and 21. He says, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through 
God. See, I think Nicodemus was being drawn into the light that is Jesus. And I believe that he steps into the light here later on in the book of John. But, but let me just show you a couple of things that happened before we go. Four chapters later, John 7, now the Sanhedrin, the ruling council is out after Jesus. Nicodemus is a part of them. They're trying to arrest Jesus. And Nicodemus actually speaks out in Jesus' defense. John 7, 50 and 51. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, and it was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? That little statement, he catches a lot of flack for that statement. Nicodemus does. But he's, it's a start. You know, he's kind of saying, hey, hey, wait, guys. You haven't even heard him out yet. But this is the biggie. John 19. Um, the crucifixion has happened. And Jesus, at, at the end of his life, pretty much alone. The, the people that had been with him had fled. Uh, a few of the women are left. Maybe John. But that's it. And he dies. Jesus gives his life up there on the cross. And there's two people who take care of his body after he dies. One of them is Joseph of Arimathea. And the other one is Nicodemus. There's Nicodemus at the very end. John 19, 39 and 40. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. And Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about 75 pounds. And taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish, Jewish burial customs. See, see, I have this picture of these men in Nicodemus. And, and they, they are caring for the, the body of the Lord. And I'm so glad that someone was there. Uh, sorry. Uh, what an amazing thing. Because now this is a fairly public display. Uh, even though, you know, it's, a, it's towards the end of the day and those things have happened. But Nicodemus steps up to care for the body of the Lord. See, I believe he stepped into the lot. He got it. He, he got it. The encounter was enough. And he heard about grace and he got it. And, and see, that's what Jesus saw in him when they encountered. And I love that. The beauty of his potential. We get to see it living out in his life. That's what, to me, it means to be naturally supernatural. To encounter people. And that, that we, we love them and encourage them in a way that they're drawn into the light that's Jesus. That they might have forever life. So next week, we're going to look at a, a whole different encounter with a woman as well. It'll be, it'll be very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. But let's all continue to try and live in a naturally supernatural way. Amen? Amen. Ministry team, those of you here, you can head over to the wall and you can pray for people. If you're watching by video on TV, thank you for watching. Call us, write us, let us know what we can do for you. And uh, thanks for being tuned in.